Hey everybody, uh, welcome here to the first episode of Uncanny Cinema. This is another Robot Butt podcast that we are starting off here. Uh, we've got a number of film-centric ones, and this is another one in those uh, in that range. And so Uncanny Cinema will focus on the obscure, the bizarre, the unloved, the overlooked, and the underappreciated in film. Uh, so we'll be doing some movies that didn't quite get their due. We'll do some odd sequels, forgotten classics, cult films, movies that should be cult films, and movies you'd have to be in a cult to enjoy. Uh, so for this first episode, uh, I'm Litton. Uh, I'll be hosting regularly, and we'll have a rotating panel of guests. And this first episode, we have Eric joining us. Hello. They can't hear you wave, Eric, so yes, you need to say hello. Uh, we have Eric and we have Ryan joining us as well. Hello, everyone. All right, so um, our first episode, we are launching with the fantastic 1987 film Leonard Part 6, which stars, was produced, and co-written by Bill Cosby. And I will. I am sure we're going to dig into this more as the episode goes on. But I will open up by saying that Bill Cosby is a reprehensible human being. Uh, I think we all know that. So just going to state that uh, elephant in the room right up front. You know, we are now uh, now viewing this film in 2020, uh, which, while it's still a terrible film as it was in 1987, it plays a little differently than I think it once did. So we'll be examining some of those factors. So first off, Leonard Part 6. What do we make of it, boys? Uh, well, I'll get this joke out of the way and say that this is the worst thing that Bill Cosby has ever done. <laughs> so actually, it's funny that you say that because I was going to bring this up. When I was trying to track this movie down, I found a forum from 2011 that was talking about it. And someone without any idea of the irony that they would be saying stated that this was Bill Cosby's worst moment. And I thought, well, <laughs> we might want to reassess that. Yeah. Um, I'll say that I went into this movie about as cold as I could because I'd only known it from its existence on, like, worst lists and stuff. And I had known of it. I planned to watch it at some point. So when I was watching it for this podcast, I thought, okay, I'll just go and just start watching it without really reading into it. I didn't know what it was about. I thought, I think it's a spy movie, but I could be mixing that with I Spy, so I don't know. And then I just, yeah, from the beginning, it's just like, what is, what are the choices that they're making? This is just really bizarre. It opens up with that weird montage of like, this is how he gets to this point, and then we're going to tell you how he got to that crazy point. And I'm like, but I don't really care, because what you're showing me is just a bunch of jumbled scenes, like it was like recapping some awful TV show from the eighties. And it's like, yeah. 
Well, even before, yeah. we, even before we see anything with his adventures, we get like that weird title sequence yeah. that has like <laughs> cartoon animated animals, barely animated. Poorly. They're like head yeah. will move or their leg will move briefly. And it just sets a very weird tone. I mean, even imagining you're going in 1987, this is, you know, Bill Cosby's kind of like the height of his powers. Cosby show had been on the year, uh, on the air for a few years, um, was already a pretty big hit. Picture and so page. you're walking into this. What's that? Bill Cosby's picture page. It was a Nickelodeon uh, thing they'd have like between uh, shows. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. oh I don't, yeah, I don't remember that. Mortimer Ichabod um, Marker. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he he had had a very you know lengthy career leading up to this. He you know I Spy Eric had mentioned, and he had done Kids Say the Darndest Things might have come after uh, the Cosby mm -hmm. Show, but uh, he was in Jello. movies in the seventies. He's yeah, Jello and Coke spokesman. <laughs> um, but yeah, as, as when you uh, when you just get to it at the very beginning, you get these credits, and the credits just really kind of blow. Uh, they're just yeah. weird cartoons. It really sets the tone for the movie. Well, it, it I, I would say it, it oddly doesn't because it's just kind of like, well, what what is this for? It, it's like a sub sub. I mean, because the crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, that right. was my, my my thinking was: is this movie geared at kids from the beginning? And I'm still not sure. I think it partially was, but it doesn't really work as a straight up kids movie either. Extreme lack of blood. Yes, I think that was probably, it was meant to be non-graphic, maybe so it could appeal to kids too, because when that guy's head explodes, it's just sawdust. <laughs> he right. does have a bloody stump. Um, so they definitely made the choice to remove any graphic violence from it, so I assume that it was supposed to be for just for the family, um, just this wacky adventure. Well, I did see that Cosby was quoted as saying that this is before it came out and was a disaster, but like... Uh, he said he'd put in some stuff for the women. He put in some stuff for the stuff kids for the kid. <laughs> and the kids angle makes sense because yeah, there's a lot of like just goofy stuff. There's weird stuff that like, even though it doesn't work, even though it's not good, you could comprehend why you could think that a kid's audience might enjoy it. I don't know what he's talking about when he's saying he put in stuff for women though. I don't see anything. Just the domestic stuff. Just him. He took his shirt off. Him, his wife pouring food on him. And like his daughter trying to get approval for this man she's dead. Yeah, it's just like, I guess all the family stuff is supposed to be for the women. I guess. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> so possible. Unless it's just him as a spy that's great at everything is the appeal to women, like a James Bond type thing. I don't know. But he doesn't really engulf any kind of James Bondness in his character or really anything in his character. Yeah, let's let's dig into the plot in a second. Uh, before we do, I want to ask, genuinely, did either of you laugh at any point in this movie? It is a comedy. It is starring Bill Cosby, a rep reprehensible human being, but one who was a very famous comedian in his day. And this is this is supposed to be a comedy. Did anyone find anything funny? I did. You mean? Intentionally, yeah, like, yeah, 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 not yeah, not laughing at it, but uh... um, I I actually did appreciate the the head explosion bit. <laughs> it's it was so silly, and I actually didn't see it coming. That that whole that whole sequence when he's like throwing meat at the vegetarians and it's burning their skin. I mean, that's pretty good too. It's just it's just silly, 
And then you remember, like, he's got a hot dog, too. He's going to use it. And I don't know if we're gearing towards, like, the most tasteless killing of the villain in cinema history, but thankfully they, they pivoted with the hot dog, and the guy just eats it, and his head explodes, which is like, I, I'm fine with that. Now, did the hot dog itself kill him, or was it the fact that it was, like, in the woman's purse for a couple of days? Well, they were they were vegetarians, so they were apparently oh, I know, but... aller- allergic to meat. Um, that hot dog was burning, burning the skin. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We don't know where that hot dog had been previous. It, it was just given to him in the car, covered in lint. Uh, I laughed at the beginning, first kill with the fish. <laughs> it was stupid, and I liked it. What's it? What yeah. part was that? The fish in the beginning, where the, they show the, it the, the picture. Small fish. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rainbow trout. Well, that that whole subplot when they yeah when he says that's the first time a man has been killed by a rainbow trout, it's like okay, that's not bad. It's very like Python esque. It's silly. Um, I think the the scene where he unleashes the rabbits on the CIA people has some good <laughs> yeah. shots of like the shadow like struggling and it just like like sticks into the neck. I assume like, they were dead and he kinda... killed them. <laughs> It really yeah. does seem like he just. I left thought it. they were dead. Yeah, and then they show up later without a scratch, and I'm like, oh, they didn't really get that hurt by them. It was just goofy, but it seemed the way that scene was shot that they were dying. Yes, it was very Python. I think I, I'm going to differ and say that either one of you referring to this movie as being Python esque is quite quite troubling. Mimic, mimicking Python <laughs> elements of the plot. Felt and, exa- and exactly that it's it's silly and yeah I think should be geared at kids of this plot of like they're controlling animals to kill people it's dumb but it's something I could see Monty Python pulling off. There was clearly a rabbit attack in Holy Grail. Yeah, exactly. We know it reminded me of that. We know. That's yeah. I don't know. I just watching it. I I have seen it before years ago. Um, Eric, you had. You had never seen it, I believe, yeah. and uh, Ryan, you'd seen it years when ago I was six. Well. You said that like it pisses you off. <laughs> Stole my childhood. <laughs> but yeah, I I just genuinely did not laugh at all. I mean, I've and I've seen comedies. I I just recorded something with some friends, a podcast where we talked about both Caddyshack movies, and we talked about Caddyshack Two. And that's one where actually we'll defend that there are funny parts in Caddyshack 2, even though the movie as a whole is not very good. Because I think a lot of like really talented comedians can milk things, find good facial expressions, find good body language, work a line. There's a lot of ways that you can make something good at least a little bit, even if the overall product isn't there. But man, for this movie, I was just sitting there and and I you could argue it's like well now we have this different conception of Bill Cosby in our minds, but I remember when I watched it years ago I also thought it was terrible, <laughs> and I think that just on its face it's just not well written or funny or much of anything yeah. good. It's interesting just because of how weird it is, but yeah, it's still I think, not even an hour and a half. Um, a lot of montages. Yeah, for me I was still surprised that. You're right, like there really isn't nearly anything funny in it, and it has this great comedic person in it who you'd think would at least in some places be able to come up with something funny, even if it's not in the script, like you'd think he might improv a couple funny things. Even the scenes that you would think would play to his strengths, they just kind of don't ever try 
to have him do his thing where like all the stuff with the family i feel like those scenes could have been good if you just kind of let him play more of the cosby that we know the scene where he's going to talk with his wife like she's mad at him she hates him and but she needs to talk to him about this thing with her daughter so you have a scene where she's passive aggressively pouring food on him even though she's trying to be civil like the bones are there for a good scene and for Cosby to have funny reactions but they just they don't really even talk that much it's just sequentially like she pours more food on him they have these awkwardly long cutaways to the staff reacting and it's just everything is just done so awkwardly that yeah like you can't you can't really laugh (laughs) Well, there's a lot of food in this movie. Like it's everywhere. There's the opening yeah. fight scene with food. Yeah. In the like, with the chefs. There's that scene at the dinner table with food. The big capper at the end. We'll talk about <laughs> later uh, is with food. And then there's the meat uh, sequence, which we'll talk about more as well. And then everything has to do with animals. So you could say that thematically, it all ties together. But it's also just you're really writing this very narrow window of comedy. Like if you like food comedy, this is it. <laughs> you're here for it. Was that for the women? Is that what he's talking about? <laughs> they just love food jokes. I also laughed at he got a ridiculously large sandwich at one point. I was a big fan of sandwich humor. <laughs> what part was that? Is that scene where he's talking, he asks for a sandwich, a cold drink. And she comes back with this like big prepared, like hoagie. Yeah. And a bottle of Coke. That stays Yeah, in he frame. holds it really awkwardly to aim it at the camera. How no one would hold a bottle <laughs> like, of Coke. Oh, you're talking, okay, yeah, when the when the daughter returns. Yeah, okay. I didn't notice the size of the sandwich. I didn't uh, <laughs> I, I didn't pick up on that part of the mise-en-scene of the scene. But I did notice the Coke. Um, and apparently Sony was, I think it was Sony or Columbia? Columbia. Uh, or Columbia, I think. Columbia, but they're now owned by Sony. But at the time, Columbia was owned by Coke. And then Cosby was a Coke's uh, spokesperson. Coke-sman. So that's why you have that just Coke directly in front <laughs> yeah. of the camera. And I read somewhere that, like, apparently there's a lot of Coke product placement in it. I noticed it in that one scene really prominently. But I didn't know if anyone picked up anything else where there was, like, mm-hmm. more Coke ads or... I noticed a I lot so. of I mean, that one is blatant because I read like the original. I read the original review for it, like the New York Times, and they mentioned like it's the, you know, the shameless product placement, and I can only really think of that scene. But I guess I'm like maybe more used to that kind of a thing in movies, so that it didn't, like, it was noticeable and it wasn't jarring. But maybe at that time it wasn't a common thing to just like. Yeah, the coast one is so like Wayne's World or Wayne's World Two, whichever scene that uh, is yeah. that Wayne's World Two, Ryan. One, whichever whichever movie that scene's from, where they're just uh, blatantly putting products in front of the camera, Coke scene is like that. But yeah, that later there's an Alka Seltzer bit near the end. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the plot. <laughs> All right, so we we open this movie. Uh, we've got the crayon drawings of animals, and <laughs> from there we have a killer trout is set loose in a, in a pipe in someone's pool. And it just murders a dude uh, inexplicably. We're not really given a reason or rationale how or why. Uh, but it's a, supposed to be a laugh riot. <laughs> and then I believe Leonard's part of the CIA. I think that's how it's established, right? 
Yes, or he's since gotten out, but he... Yeah, so they call him back in because uh, he needs to take out whoever is setting uh, Killer Trout onto people. And that leads into the chef scene where the CIA has hired someone to murder Leonard, the person that they're trying mm-hmm. to get uh, back. They bring in somebody to kill him instead. They don't very bad to cover that problem. too. I did not notice. Were you <laughs> watching this on a big screen TV, Ryan? No, I watched it on the laptop. He's like scratching his head. He's got powder all over his shoulders. He's supposed to be very gross. Uh, I, I noticed little things. No, I didn't notice the dandruff. So from there, some of the plot revolves around... This is where it starts to get kind of weird. I mean, a lot of this early stuff is just comedy junk. It's There's not much of much to it. It doesn't really go anywhere. Leonard refuses to come back and work for the CIA. And we find out that he has a 20-year-old daughter, and that she is now dating a 60-something-year-old director of her play, which, you know, in a modern context, there's some some, uh, even more issues with that uh, now that we know where Bill Cosby ended up. And now we know why his character was kind of only sort of opposed to it. (laughs) Well, yeah, he was... He was opposed to it, but he, what was it? He just didn't want them staying there. I think that was, that was the full extent. Yeah, he's yeah like, I'm not paying for the wedding. Like, that was like, all right, fine. But eh, it's just like, I don't think that's how anyone would react. Especially like this uh, world-renowned spy who apparently just killed this guy and made him disappear. And his reaction is kind of like, are you sure you want to date my daughter? And he's like. Maybe she's robbing the grave. You never thought of it that way. He's like, yeah, I guess you got a point. Well, the other like, really I, weird thing in, in the domestic life, so you have that going on, which is supposed to be a central problem for him, uh, which this is all obviously aside from the killer trout and whatever is going on with you know, world affairs. Uh, we're really locked into Leonard's personal life. But aside from that, we find out that his wife has left him and she left him because he was in a sauna with a 19 he was naked in a sauna with a 19 year old girl and there's a line where bill cosby says we didn't didn't do anything i never laid a finger on that girl and (laughs) that scene plays really differently today (laughs) it does he's probably had very many real conversations yeah he was a co-writer as i said um no doubt at the time. Well, a similar story. line is toward the beginning where they're talking about getting him back, and uh, Joe Don or John Do- Joe Don Baker is like, uh, in my lifetime, I've only worked with one man who can match the brutality and heinous wit behind these sordid and unpatriotic executions, and it's Bill Cosby. He's the man. Is what's the line that the butler says after he said I didn't lay a finger on her, and he says like, just oh, yeah, the just the birch oh yeah, the. Yeah, because he was, I, I don't know, he was like yeah. supposedly swatting her with birch leaves or some some kind of sauna activity, I think was the idea, yeah. or sauna slash sexual activity. It was kind of vague. Yeah, because the way the butler delivered it, yeah, he's he's like, I never laid a finger on her. He's like, right, just the leaves, sir. And it's just like a knowing kind of like, I get what you really mean, so I'm just going to say this. One thing I did see on the butler is that apparently it was offered to Michael Palin. 
which <laughs> thank God he did not agree because I would have, it would have been painful to watch Michael Palin go down with mm-hmm. the ship. So we continue with the plot and the catalyst for him taking the job is that his wife forced food on him. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, essentially, he got out of the business because of her. He gets out of the business because of her. Right. I think because their marriage dissolved, right? I mean, they are they are split up, but it was because she of this. She accused him of sleeping with all the blondes. So he gets out of the business, and then he's being called back in. She refuses to be with him. He's trying to win her back, and she just pours food on him. In After a, an exceedingly really long montage. Oh, yeah. It was like a five-minute montage of him. Oh, the, the five getting montage. ready yeah. to go out. Uh, and what what's particularly weird, uh, so I, I made a note of this. So the movie's like roughly an hour and a half, a little bit under that. We were half we were half an hour into right. it. We're half an hour half in an hour and in. nothing connected to the main plot is the hero doing anything with. Like like the the killer animals, like yeah, you had the trout, and then at some point there's like these killer frogs that I don't know jump someone into a river or something but it has nothing to do with the movie and so the movie is essentially or the main plot it's basically trying to play off of like a james bond kind of vibe and yet if you think about bond movies the way any of those are structured even going way back to early bond movies bond gets on the case real early in that story like he might not be you know you know killing dudes yet but he's at least investigating stuff he's figuring out things he's getting to where he needs to be for the first half hour of this movie, our hero is doing absolutely nothing tied to the plot. And we don't really even know what the plot is. We haven't spent any time with the villains either. So you assume that he has to actually go confront them at some point. And by the time he does, like, are we still not going to really know what's going on or what he plans to do or why this mission is going to be so difficult? Um, and then, yeah, he just walks up and shoots his way in. Although he doesn't really do that. She lets him in and then... Yeah, after the after the dinner scene, he goes to like a, a factory. What's fortune that? teller. Fortune yeah. teller. Well, not the fortune, the fortune teller. teller. Yeah, this is before that when he goes to, or maybe he goes yeah. to the fortune teller. He goes there yeah. twice. And she shows okay. up later. Yeah. yeah he goes... So he, he has a fortune teller that he's getting uh, information from, uh, getting help uh, in this mystical kind of way. But he ends up going to this factory, and the whole kind of bit slash joke of this is he's just like, blowing shit up but a door won't explode and i just found it really weird as i was sitting there watching it thinking well why does the cia even need him to do <laughs> like they know where this person is he didn't they they literally gave him an address yeah. so it's not like a james bond thing where it's like bond we need you to hunt this person down or we need you to put the case together it's like he literally just shows up and starts blowing things up yeah with no plan on how because the 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 sphere they told him about that so but he doesn't really have a plan on how to get it so he just starts yeah he just starts shooting the door down but then failing at that and it's really just a weird montage of him doing flips over things or crawling around then he fights circus yeah then we get to the real good part of the movie the part where you're thinking this is bad but there's got to be some marquee scene that really drives the point that it's one of the worst movies ever made and that's the I guess the vegetarians. Well, the vegetarians. That's a little bit later because initially it's it's Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, the vegetarians. Well, no, well, she calls these the oh, vegetarians. Well, that's, too. Okay, that's true. Yeah. She goes into some explanation of like how they were born and bred. I don't I think I caught all of it. But it's like they were kind of grown in a lab to be perfect vegetarians, and they're and pure. They dance. Like she gets really weird about it. 
and then they're yeah they're just they dance they dance and they're like <laughs> bird people she says that they are they yeah. were raised by ocelots and it it initially appears like they're i mean they, they're wearing like kind of like leotard things right yeah i thought those were i wasn't sure if those are ocelots or they were actually part that's of yeah that's the big question i that's the big question i had was they it seemed like they're wearing leotards but they had like feathers and stuff and it seemed like they're wearing these like big headdress mask things almost like eyes wide shut bird masks like these giant type things but then later when he's dance fighting them and bill cosby does dance fight dance fighting ballet fights he he fights these bird people and at one point he like plucks one of them like removes all of their feathers and that's when i was starting to question like well wait i thought they were just people dressed up because birds animals are the theme and so they're her henchmen so like a joker's henchmen wear clown makeup kind of shit but no it seems like they're like mutant bird people i think so and it's weird because yeah he he shaves one of them yeah he doesn't just pluck them and because there's in, in the montage earlier, there's he's getting all his weapons together, and the the butler hands him a, a razor and says, "You never know." Like, and it's like, oh, I guess that's going to come into play at some point in some silly fashion. But he uses it to shave a guy who's like hanging upside down, and it's 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 more unsettling than you would think because it's supposed to be funny. When it's like it, the the guy's clucking, I like, think, right? Like a chicken. Yeah, he's like he's like he's like torturing this, you know, it's weird like the end of freaks, human hybrid. Because he's got him hung upside down. Yeah, it's just really strange. But it's supposed to be like for the kids. A goofy bit, I think. Well, that's another. Well, that's another weird aspect about this movie and how it's written. Is it's meant to be a, you know, a goofy James Bond spy parody, and there's been tons of those. You know, Austin Powers is the most famous and probably most well liked. But it's like the movie gives you no real reason to like Bill Cosby's character, like to like Leonard. Which we should address, yeah. before we dig into that, we should address the title. We haven't addressed the title yet. Uh, Ryan, would you like to share with our listeners uh, what the title uh, means? It means there were six other six other Leonard movies, but they were seized as evidence. By Leonard. Yes. So this is a, Leonard Part 6 is not actually part of a series. It's making it act as though there were five previous adventures that have been classified which is just a very weird joke and makes for, I would assume, some confusion back in the day. People were searching for the other Leonard's because they love. Yeah, this I, one I so doubt much. that was happening, but, but I just can't imagine trying to market uh, yeah. this with that with the six and the. I can't imagine trying like to market deep this deep in the '80s when you have so many. <laughs> we will talk about the marketing a little bit down the road here. But what about you know Star Wars starting with Episode Four? Maybe that they just thought that was the winning formula. Well, when it was originally released, it didn't have that on. It only came on after okay. the fact. But but yeah, the way they present Cosby's character is weird. Just there's no real reason to like him. He doesn't want to help save the world. He wants to get back with his wife. So it's like all right, so there's a domestic thing there. But he, we find out that he almost certainly was cheating on her um, with a very young girl and then acting like there was nothing to it. We have the bit that I think Eric, you already mentioned where he likes six animals on the CIA. Cause he has to like get a, an orb back from them, the sphere, yeah. the sphere. Cause they're, they're tinkering with it and he, they're trying to use it for their own power. So he's like 
I got to get it out of their hands. Well, it's not even that he has to get it so out of their hands. He's he's gonna give it to the villain. Oh, that's right. He, has, he needs it to yeah to trade for his wife. Yeah. So so there just seems like there's a lot of choices where he isn't presented as anything heroic whatsoever, and he's not funny. No, no. It's just established like he's this great person because he's he's super wealthy and has been around the world. It's like. But he doesn't even attempt to, you know, do like a suave impersonation of James Bond. He doesn't. If I was thinking about Bill Cosby in a spy movie, it would be like, oh, just be kind of his character that he always does, but thrust into a spy situation and hilarity ensues or whatever. And he doesn't really seem to go for that either. Yeah, like a, like a fish first... out of water kind of thing. like Or like yeah, uh, the never... Johnny English things where like Johnny English is yeah. like shouldn't really be there and is kind of a bumbling idiot yeah yeah so because the first scene when he when he kills the person they said to kill him and he's like he's dragging the body into the room and he's like why did you know and he's like man it's like oh maybe he's gonna be a character now but as soon as they say one thing he's like back to this normal flat delivery and then they say oh well we wanted to make sure you were ready to for the job that's why we sent a guy to kill you it's like a way to get you to, or whatever and then he just kind of accepts that explanation but i feel like if cosby were being cosby he would delve deeper into why they thought that was a good mm. idea and make fun at their expense because he's kind of like the smartest guy in the room but it's just befuddled by everyone else's like stupidity but it's just like that's how the scene starts and they're just kind of like they just roll with it and yeah you just don't really get a beat on what his character is supposed to be i did see someone's critique uh some critics critique from the time was that Bill Cosby, who was a line-based comedian, they were arguing, was thrust in a physical role. And so that he's just, mm -hmm. like, totally out of his depths, uh, which I think is true. And I, the other thing that really struck me on a rewatch here is Cosby co-wrote this. He produced it. He starred in it. They apparently did try to get Michael Palin. But the Butler character isn't even very major anyway. He's in a few scenes. The CIA, there's some people in that that pop up more than once there's the main villain like the vegetarian lady who's trying to what's trying to do? just take over the world what what exactly are they what's their goal there yeah they're wiping people out through animals is it to make everyone, it to make everyone a vegetarian or just yeah, might be um, it was real it was real loose on that point yeah i don't because there was a plan because she was at the end gonna unleash animals like on california whole, i guess san francisco area or yeah, so the I guess the sphere was incredibly powerful, although yeah. they they only kind of give it lip service that it's like super powerful. It becomes important like yeah. an hour ten into the movie. <laughs> <An> hour, <yeah. laughs> it's like in a normal movie, it would have been set up from the very first scene. Yeah, like, we would have been told what it was. Yeah. Like, did she make it? Is it like alien technology? Because she doesn't. I don't really know if they ever explain it. It's what? just kind of such like initially, it seems like oh, somebody is having animals kill people. And then more than halfway into the movie, it becomes, oh, there's this sphere that's super important. Because it's, yeah, it's going to help her kill people. But I never knew that the plan was just to kill more people. I thought I, it would it would make sense that she had some agenda based around vegetarianism, but they don't, I don't think they go into what that would be because then she's just trying to kill Leonard the rest of the movie. So. Yeah. But yeah, the, the thing that struck me though was, so you have her, you have the CIA people, specifically Joe Don Baker, and you have the butler, and then you have Leonard's wife and daughter, but they didn't, they have Bill Cosby in this, and they didn't cast 
any other comedic actors. So he has no one to play off of. And that's what's yeah. really weird is like, I understand that you wouldn't want to overshadow your lead with a bunch of other leads. I mean, there are plenty of comedies that have had many comedy heavy hitters in them at one time, but it's weird that they didn't even cast like secondary supporting comedic people, like people who are known for being funny in smaller roles and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's nobody like that. So like Cosby has no one to work off of whatsoever. Yeah. You would think at least the wife could have been someone bigger that could make their scenes together. Or the daughter, the daughter's in four or five scenes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, as we progress along into the plot, we've got Leonard defeats some of the bird people and he steals this mysterious sphere that we don't really exactly know what it does. He gets it back to the CIA. Then he's meeting. He goes to a play for his daughter, right? Yeah, he yes. goes to a play after okay, that. He goes to a play. Uh, a lot of non-funny stuff happening, and then his wife is kidnapped, and so Leonard has to rescue his wife. And that's when he gets to the CIA after finding out the the villain wants the spear back. Gets the CIA, six these animals on them to murder them presumably, even though they survive it. And then that leads him shortly thereafter. He's meeting up with his seance lady, right? The the mystic. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, think I was just thinking that uh, Mr. Futterman's death in Gremlins is like uh, less implied than the uh, murder of the people with the rabbits, but they survive. They really show you those rabbits attacking. Well, and that's, I, I thought it was a yeah. weird turn because he just, he seemingly <laughs> leaves them for dead. Like he, I think he thinks that they're yeah. going to be attacked and brutally uh, injured. At least he doesn't yeah. like them anyway. Well, yeah, because he established the villain right before. He's like, these guys, you know, they shouldn't be. They have their own nefarious plot, so I'm going to stop them by killing them. Yeah. And so from there, he gets uh, he gets a bunch of meat from the mystic lady that he goes to see, who can teleport. Yes, she does suddenly teleport at one. Yeah, out of the car. Uh, no explanation given. Uh, this is a comedy, so you could argue that that could work, but it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But yeah, then that leads us to is basically just two main sections with the villain, right? It's it's he yeah. does the dance fighting with the the bird people, and then the meat fighting, um, and then confronts her again with the yeah the trade off because when the when the dance fighting happened, I, I knew about the meat stuff. I remembered that. And I knew what that setup looked like for the meat stuff. So when he got to the factory, I initially thought like we were, I think we were like, we were like 35, 40 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, is the rest of this movie just set in one location? Like is, <laughs> is all the rest of the next hour just going to be him here different variations so i was surprised uh when he when he did leave because they kind of just come up with a reason for him to leave like he gets the orb but he just kind of weirdly escapes and then he just kind of like lets his guard down like everything's over yeah it it was weird because you did think that that from where we were in the movie that would be the final conflict with the villain even though it was the first or at least you think it's going to be a longer sequence inside the villain's base but yeah he kind of leaves there and then you think all right he's just he just goes to the play and maybe you think okay maybe they're gonna come attack the play and that's where the movie reaches the climax but they just yeah they bring it they back go back to the, to the same the place plant. right 
yeah, they go back to the plant. He confronts them again, this time in like a trade-off, which, you know, he easily gets duped by. And it's weird that in a spy movie, he doesn't seem to have a backup plan in case things go wrong with the trade, and he just fully trusts the villain to swap. Yeah, that... So he's not a good spy. The fact that he goes to the villain's lair so early in the movie, if you're thinking of this as being a parody of spy movies, is so bizarre if you compare back to Bond movies where they always have some giant set piece where you... you Maybe the audience has seen the villain there in little snippets, but the hero never gets there. They don't know where it is, or they aren't able to get there, or they don't have the ability, you know, they're not at the right point in the plot or whatever. But just thinking of, like, the end of uh, You Only Live Twice is in this, I think, a gigantic mountain, pretty sure. It's a gigantic Austin Powersy. you know. Uh, they're in this mm-hmm. big lair. Goldfinger has the table that he Bond gets strapped to with the big laser. So you've got these, like, giant set mm-hmm. pieces in Bond films and you don't revisit them. Like, once you get to them, you're there. So that's what's super weird in Leonard is they're in this factory. He's fighting henchmen. The villain's there. All the elements are there for this is the end of the movie, but we're like 35 minutes in. And so, yeah, when when they come back to it, it's so weird because they don't, like, go to a second lair. They don't do anything differently. So it's just as though Bond went to the secret volcano lair 30 minutes into the movie and been like, well, I didn't get the job finished, so I'll be back. Yeah, it's got to go do with my family yeah. stuff. I got, I got this play that my daughter's going to be in. She's going to be naked on stage. It's a thing. And, and, and speaking of the play, when it ends, you know, it ends with his daughter being topless and he's rightly horrified. And then the guy next to him turns to him and, smiles and seems to mouth something but i don't yeah, know yeah he, he mouths something but they cut the audio so so you don't know what he said but you know then bill Cosby, that's my daughter and it's like well i don't know did he just say like oh she's hot or did he say what a good performance or something like i don't that's know that's another he just got tying into <laughs> the uh you know sexual undercurrent uh our, our our modern lens for bill cosby on that moment because yeah, Bill Cosby's character chastises him, says, that's my daughter. The guy's grinning. Even after Bill Cosby says, that's my daughter, yeah. the guy just keeps grinning. <laughs> grinning and And nodding. we never see any nudity on screen. Uh, we see her from behind, and we just, like, see her back. But, but yeah, like, that's another moment where it's, like, she's presented as, I think they say she's 20. And the guy in the mm-hmm. audience is, like, probably, like, 40 or something. And then Bill Cosby yeah. is bothered by this. But you have to figure in, like, with all of the allusions to young, old relationships that are, like, that's the third one <laughs> that's happened in this movie. Yeah. You know, there's some just some telling aspects shining through, I think. What, what was the play even about? Like, oh, the guy man. had hepatitis or something? And she was going to sleep with him? I don't know. It seemed like it was some kind of, like, almost Tennessee Williams kind of yeah semi parody or something something bill cosby thought would be a laugh riot (laughs) so from there they go in he goes back inexplicably to the villain's lair because he both did not defeat the villain and the villain also did not capture or kill leonard so they both just parted ways in the previous scene but they go back in and this is where we get the nice meat scene (laughs) eric you want to tell us about the meat scene well, it starts with the uh, the butter, 
which is um, <laughs> how he escapes from the lobsters. And he gets, uh, he's got a stick of melt. He says he calls it melted butter, I think, mm-hmm. right? Or warm butter. And that scares the lobsters into being able to use them to cut himself free. And he gets his wife free, and he gives her some butter, I think. And they both have sticks of butter, and they're just shouting melted butter at the lobsters while shooing them away. And it's, and it's very as weird. funny as it sounds, folks. <laughs> I mean, every moment. Why they need to yell melted butter as if the lobsters don't know? Or what? Like, it's, really, it's really weird. He starts it's talking just, to one of the lobsters work. and threatening it, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he threatens it to cut him loose. So I guess you can reason with the crazy animals when they're trying to kill But then them. we have that great um, uh, POV lobster crotch shot of Cosby. <laughs> slowly, <laughs> slowly coming at his crotch. He's going to pinch him in the crotch. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so then so that's the uh, the food is the key in this movie, and he goes on when he's being attacked by the, the vegetarian henchmen who are all scantily clad. Uh, yeah, they're all presented like they're just, all men, and they're I mean, the, the, vil- the like villains are women. Yeah, well, before this, they were like ballet, the vibe was like they were they were yeah. like lithe ballet dancers, and the villain is female, but. In the end part, they aren't so much ballet looking as they're like Chippendale dancers. They're all like wearing like yeah, they all are shirtless and they have. They were wearing unitards, like, kind of like dress pants. Like it, I got a, it got a had a very uh, very Chippendales yeah. vibe to me of how they're presented. Yeah, and then so he remembers that he has the hamburgers at the fortune telling. The sign says no meat. Because they're vegetarians. That's right. <laughs> so the signs are vegetarians too. The compound, and that gives him the great idea that that must mean that it will kill them. Yeah, and he throws the meat patties, and it burns their skin. Like while while yelling meat, water and meat, and the burn meat. is yes, the, uh, the beef <laughs> logo, hundred percent. As he's doing it, yes, he's branding yeah. the vegetarians with uh, with hamburger, and uh, yeah, he continues to do that. And then whips out so the very, hot dog. Yes, we now come to the, the finest moment sparkles. in the history of cinema. <laughs> the most flaccid. Ryan, would you like to? The most flaccid hot dog you'll ever see. Uh, Bill Car, uh, Bill Car, Bill Cosby produces the hot dog from his pocket, brushing the lint off, and proceeds to wiggle it at the main henchman, who fearlessly takes a bite of it, and then his head explodes into sawdust. <laughs> Well, even before before his head explodes, the uh, the hot dog. I think Eric mentions it sparkles. All the it food makes a sparkles. Jingly yeah, sound. So does the meat. We, we're, yeah. The hot dog. The, the hot dog sparkles a lot. extra. I feel. And <laughs> Bill Cosby also really milks this moment. Like a lot of goofy faces, a lot of body language. If you have not seen this yeah. gif, it is out there on the internet of Bill Cosby. Waving around a hot dog in front of a camera. Well, speaking of weird milking facial expressions, the the ballet scene also begins with him starting to ballet dance, and the bottom half is going professionally, and the top half he's like does he doesn't like he doesn't have control, like the shoes are magic or something, and he's making these faces that he doesn't know what he's doing. But then the narrator, the butler, comes in and says that he studied under Barishnikov. That's why he knows ballet. But it's like, but he doesn't look like he knows what's happening with his legs. He's just like reacting at this is like magically happening. But then they give us a real explanation that it doesn't make any sense. 
And when he first starts dancing, the villain says something like, clever, but dumb, as if she knows what the idea is, that he has to dance fight them because <laughs> a chainsaw and a gun won't work. Um, so the whole scene is just... <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he defeats uh, most of the villains via meat, gets uh, the second-in-command's head to explode. That and the body's still alive. <laughs> yes, is uh, running around... Chicken with its head cut off, I believe, is the vibe they're going for. Sawdust spurting everywhere. Uses Alka Seltzer to uh, kind of create a bunch of foam that somehow. Well, the bad woman, the bad woman's husband, uh, falls in to the vat, and he takes his Alka Seltzer. Falls in. Yes. At which point, I like uh, his character. (laughs) All that character does. About six times throughout the movie, says kill him, which I did think was like had potential to be kind of funny in a better movie. Yeah, but uh, I still was not enjoying. Yeah, the villain says she built her entire empire for disability. I also didn't understand like when he falls in the vat. He was in a wheelchair throughout the whole movie. He's not much of a. It looks like he doesn't have a lower half when he falls in the vat. Well, he doesn't. He he literally like his. His legs are left in the chair as though his legs. Are like, <laughs> I, I rewound it to see. It's like his legs stay in the chair as though they're like fake, and that all he. It's like he's been like Darth Mauled at some point in his life, and all he is is a top yeah. half. But he just like tumbles out of the chair into this Joker vat. While Leonard makes jokes, so, yeah, a lot of unusual choices. Something about him drinking the vat or. Yeah, when you're done drinking all that, you'll need some of these. Yeah. But then I don't get his... He blows up all the vats of chemicals that they were trying to prevent from getting in the water. And where the hell do you think they all go? I mean, the building was, like, right on the water oh, side. Yeah, he just basically flooded the yeah. building, yeah. <laughs> Ensuring that all the liquid will get out and go somewhere. But it's been Alka-Seltzer, yeah, so it's okay. it's not the same thing anymore. But, you know, they didn't explain how the liquids were working in the machine or what they were but she said it didn't matter what you put in because the machine was magic yeah the machine will work anyway so once he's uh alka-seltzered the building <laughs> he uh has to escape himself because it's the alka-seltzer it looks all like giant foamy junk of multi-color it's multicolored for some reason um but once he's done that he has to escape so he rides an ostrich off yes. the roof of the building, which uh, kind of mm-hmm. floats Looks into terrible. the ground via its wings. What's that, Ryan? What was that, like, rotocasting they did for that effect? Uh, I'm not sure what it's called, but yeah, it's that kind of Rancor Return of the Jedi type deal. Except worse. Mm. Yeah, oh like yeah. Trans- I mean, it was like half transparent. I mean, the movie cost $4 million, <laughs> so... Um, or made, sorry, made. made it cost, cost 24 <laughs> Actually, has a pretty big budget for that time, so they had the they had the money to make that that stuff look good. They just didn't care. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so Bill Cosby escapes. escapes. Uh, he destroys the sphere, so the CIA can't get their grubby hands on it, and I don't know, kill the world with animals or whatever they were going to do. <laughs> and then we meet him back up in his restaurant. He owns a restaurant, by the way. We missed that at the beginning. More on the food themes. But when he got out of the CIA, he started up a restaurant. He goes to the restaurant, and here's a weird part. I wondered if either of you noticed or can figure this out. 
he's there and he's going to go on a date with his wife. They've reconciled because she's been part of this big finale with the villain. And he's like rescued her, but then she was helping save the day and stuff. So they've reconciled. They're going to have dinner. He has all of his employees lined up in kind of a row, like welcoming him there in this weird kind of like, you know, do this for me employees. Yeah. But one of them is the old theater owner or the, the, <laughs> the theater director, right? Like he goes up, he, well, oh, he goes up to an older black gentleman that I'm pretty sure is the theater director from the beginning. And oh. he like whispers to him and kisses him on the ear, I think, or, or on the, on the cheek. It's a very oh. bizarre. If, uh, let me pull it up. I'm almost positive. I did not notice that. Well, he definitely interacts with this guy. If it's not the theater director, then it's even weirder because it's like, well, then yeah. who's this character that he's randomly talking to? If it is the theater director, I don't know why the guy is suddenly working for him. I, I mean, I guess. Do you think that's that the same? Kind of wrap up that Do you have it pulled up? I think it's him. You only see him really briefly. But yeah, Cosby walks up to him and kisses him on the cheek. And the guy's like visibly kind of like taken aback and bothered by it. And then the scene moves on. And they, uh, they mentioned that his daughter is now what Greenpeace. Green so like, yeah. I think that's their attempt of wrapping up the storyline with the daughter and the director, yeah. but I don't really follow I it where so. it's like, Oh, I gave this guy a job. So now he'll leave my daughter alone. Or why would a theater director Perhaps. start working at his restaurant. Yeah, because it says his daughter just quits the theater, which doesn't imply that she stopped dating the director, but I guess, yeah, maybe that shows that he is going to keep him away from her, and that's why he's now working for him in a worse job. Yeah. Than if, it, if, if that's a different actor who just looks like the guy, because he's the right age and he looks like him, if it's just a different actor, then it's even more confusing because it's like, what is that to imply? <laughs> he just walks up to one of his random employees and kisses him on the cheek here at the close of the movie. It's a bonus. And then we move to, I don't know, maybe the most egregious moment of the film. There's been many bad ones. That hot dog one's bad, but... Eric? Yeah, just the final... um. You know, the final capper, they're revisiting the wife pouring food on him joke, and she ladles some soup onto his face, and it's like a close-up, and it's very suggestive. It's just like rolling down his silhouette. Well, he wants her to. Uh, and he, yeah, yeah, he's waiting for you. He's like, go ahead. Because before then, she yeah. was doing it out of, like, frustration and anger, and now it's supposedly done. But now it's like a cute joke. Yeah, and... Yeah, so she ladles him, and it's like he just kind of like leans in for it and smiles, and it's yeah, it's it's very awkward. It's supposed to be cute and funny, but it's just. Did you stick around past that point? point? I saw, um, like during the credits, like a brief, like they snap back to it, and he's like shaking his head or something. Uh well, they they do it a few times past that in the credits. They they ladle on him. And then, uh, then she's covering him in spaghetti. Pile of spaghetti on his head and she's kissing him. And then, yeah, there's a dessert bit. Do you remember what it was, Ryan? 
I didn't know it existed. I just uh, guessing. Okay, no, it's it's cake. All right, there it is. Uh, she takes handfuls of cake and she just grabs it and s- smashes it over his head and smears his mouth. So our final image of the film before we go to full credits is Bill Cosby in a white suit with soup down his shoulders, yellow soup, spaghetti piled upon his shoulders and head, and then white cake just smeared all over his face. This is our comedy classic, Leonard Part 6. This is how we end Leonard Part 6. It's for the kids. (laughs) It's for somebody. It was for the kids. Yeah. Did, uh, did, Did, like, the meat industry have anything to do with this? Like, sponsor it? Brought to you by Meat and Coke. <laughs> meat. Oh, that's why your profile name is. Um, I did like uh, some of the music, Elmer Bernstein. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to bring that up. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, well, there are at least like two scenes uh, where I got a real big Ghostbuster vibe out of it. it sounded really similar. Like when he's first walking to meet his wife on the date, and you know, when he's the montage of getting the car ready. The the, mon- the car part sounds like Stay Puffed. Okay, I didn't I didn't pick up on the sound alike aspect. Uh, I did see that Bernstein did it, and as Ryan said, uh, Elmer Bernstein did uh, Ghostbusters, Airplane, a number. Of, he did a ton of movies, but in terms of comedies, he did a number of big comedies. Stripes. Um, I had a note somewhere, but yeah, Elmer Bernstein did a lot of big comedies and would do these, you know, kind of big brassy scores and i noticed it in the first confrontation with the bird dancers because it was like elmer bernstein was like swinging for the fences to make the scene work like he was really (laughs) trying to amp it up like all right we're gonna get this big score this is a big moment where he's fighting the villain and in most of his other movies where he does that it works because the movie itself is good uh here (laughs) it was just like oh i'm really noticing the score right now so this movie was not well reviewed uh eric you said you came across some reviews so i'm curious if you have anything on that but i saw i'll just throw out like i saw a couple uh someone stated the only good thing about leonard part six is that it all but assures there will not be a leonard part seven and that same person says as for trying to explain the storyline it drains one's will to live almost as severely as viewing the movie does Apparently the, the critics got to him because he did denounce the movie a week before they released it. And, he told uh, people not to go. Yeah, which I yeah, it's like I, do you commend his honesty to his fans or did he just fuck over the production company and the people he was working with? And he not um, only told people not to go, uh, the Golden Raspberries, which is kind of the anti-Oscars. They every year they get yeah. out, uh, you know, movie accepted uh, them awards for the the best or awards for the worst movies, worst actor, worst script, all that kind of stuff every year. Yeah. Bill Cosby accepted them. Uh, I think it was on Arsenio hall and he demanded that mm-hmm. they be made of 24 carat oh, gold and Italian marble. And apparently they did yeah, like Fox <laughs> paid for it. Like Arsenio hall show or something paid for it. Oh man. That's humility. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's like Jello money. That good old Bill Cosby. So, um, 
do we think this is a cult film? Do we think people are drawn to it? Um, uh, the cult of like movies so bad they're good. Uh, possibly, yeah. Um, it's not that which I can be part of, but I don't think it. I don't think it quite falls into that level of because I did laugh unintentionally, but not as much as I would other really bad films. Um, it's like the Star Wars was, holiday special. Yeah, it's just like, why do they even allow for this? But I guess he just was surrounded by sycophants and no one told him no to anything, and uh, which was what the director said. So Yeah, the director kind of, uh, I read something where it w he was basically indicating he couldn't tell, tell Bill Cosby, you're not being funny. Yeah. Because he, he was Bill Cosby. Yeah, this is slow, is how he would, this seems slow or something. It's, it's, I guess they're watching the dailies, and then Cosby said, like, you worry about the structure I'll worry about the funny and it's just uh, <laughs> did not worry about the funny. <laughs> no. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he maybe didn't realize this was a good film until he watched the thing in its entirety or until just the early reviews came out and he felt he had to agree with them. Um, but it seems like the whole time he all, he thought all this stuff was funny and you don't know what part of the process he was keeping up with, what the final product looked like, but yeah, I don't know. You think the car would have been more featured in pop culture? Yeah, I mean, I think just since it's so stupid it's, looking, the movie tanks. Well, the, yeah. the movie tanked so badly. I, I mean, I don't think the movie made any kind of real impact on pop culture. It could have been in the background so. of Ready Player One, the movie. I mean, and someone would be like, "Hey, it's the Leonard Part Six car." I'd be like, "Shut up!" Were, were you were you waiting for that, Ryan? Were you hoping to see Leonard Part Six? <laughs> might, references? might as well have. Does the third act build around Leonard Part Six references? <laughs> Meat. Meat. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where I maybe I've seen this movie referenced, but I wouldn't know what it would have meant. But I can't think of any major places where this movie was referenced as a joke. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think the it's box known as office. Being, <laughs> I think it's known as being really bad, but yeah, it's. I wouldn't say that it's. It's known as being bad and fun. Yeah, it's. I, I, what, I that leads to a question I would ask: Like, would you recommend this? Do you no. think? Would not recommend. Obviously, we're not going to recommend it as a good film. But do you even think it? It makes sense to recommend as like a party oh you gotta movie? watch Leonard Part Six yeah um, I think barely I mean I'm always interested in what movies are considered to be worse and how bad a movie can get right um, if someone else is interested in those same things I'd say yeah this is a good example of like a lot of things going wrong in a movie but it's not as I guess funny. As as other ones would be that are just so awful. Um, no troll too. I think there's something to be said too, since it's a comedy, and when you when you have a bad comedy, it's hard because if you have a bad horror movie or a bad sci-fi movie, you could be laughing at how badly it's failing at trying to be serious or scary or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and you're just laughing at its ineptness. But if you have a bad comedy your brain is going, well, I should be laughing if, if this were yeah. good. That's the, Its goal is to make me laugh. But if you're sitting there and you're like, well, this isn't funny, everything's falling flat, everything's poorly done, I think you're probably less inclined to laugh at it. 
because yeah, you just know you know mad. it sucks. So you don't want to like give the movie your laughs. Yeah, like. exactly. I think because in a way, when you laugh at a bad movie, you're laughing at the the artist's failure in a way. So somehow that's acceptable because you're still deriding the film. But in order to deride this, you have to not laugh at it. You just have to sit stone faced for it's an failing, hour and a half. You're mad, so you're just like, <laughs> yeah. All right, Bill Cosby's uh, a villain. In real life, well, you you often call him a fiend, don't you, Ryan? He is a fiend. I know, but I'm saying you often call him that, right? Yes. All right. Big old fiend. Any other uh, closing thoughts about the 1987 classic film Leonard Part Six? There was one scene that popped into my head that we didn't talk about. That it was a quick moment in the montage when he's got a tailor fitting his suit and one of the tailors is an old Asian man and he rips off his sleeve and says hiya like as he rips okay. it yeah in this really stereotypical way uh, I took note of that one it just kind of seemed odd but it's also something it's like it's supposed to be funny but I think even 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 at the time when it wouldn't be I guess uh, I guess a dated form of humor to attempt that it doesn't seem like it would have been funny either. Yeah. There was another Seems bit I noted <laughs> very, uh, very early on when the, before the trout murders the, uh, I don't know, the CIA agent or whoever the guy is. So he kills him in the pool. The trout kills him in a pool, but the trout is like swimming through some kind of pipe as part of the pool filter. Mm-hmm. And for some reason there is, Playboy. A copy of Playboy in the pipe. It's like not waterlogged or anything. It's like they put a Playboy underwater like seconds before they started shooting this sequence. Um, so it doesn't look like banged up or anything. It looks like it's straight off the rack. But the like fish swims past it and then does almost like a Looney Tune like and like rewind, comes backwards to then look at the cover of Playboy, which you know, it's Playboy. I don't, I don't know if it's a real copy of Playboy if they made up a mock-up, but it's, you know, covers of Playboy never have nudity. Um, but it isn't even all that suggestive. It's just basically just kind of yeah. like a woman's face. It's not even yeah. like a bikini body. It's just like a woman's face smiling. It could have been like a Cosmo or something. And the the trout is presumably attracted to this human woman. Yeah. And then the movie moves on with its day and the trout swims <laughs> on. And this is like our first three minutes Five minutes? I think it's the first attempt at a joke in the movie. <laughs> uh, the stuff with the butler, the stuff with the butler would have been, because he's like okay. talking yeah. about the title, so presumably that's, that's played for a laugh. But yeah, it's one of the very early jokes. Would you ever I thought they were just setting it up that it's a, it's a very bad trout. <laughs> Possibly I mean, sex I guess. He doesn't follow any of the rules. There's trout's wanted in 35 different counties. Well, on that note, we will close out our first episode uh, here talking about Leonard Part 6. So join us next time on Uncanny Cinema, where we'll be watching the 2011 film Winnie the Pooh with a new cast of uh, characters on our roundtable here. All right. See you then.